there. Welcome to ATL and 29, a Peachtree Hoops podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chenard. I'm coming to you from State Farm Arena after the Hawks 108-100 win over the San Antonio Spurs. And it's been a long day for covering the Hawks. Started early in the morning with John Collins being suspended by the NBA for 25 games and ending with Trey Young dropping 28 points in the second half against the Spurs. What can you say about Trey Young? It seemed like the Spurs came out of the gate trapping. They wanted to put a lot of pressure in Trey Young's face. At every instance where they could do so, they would send two bodies to him early in the game. And over the course of the game, it seemed like the strategy changed a bit. He was able to get some shots in the first half, but they weren't falling. But at the same time, you know, it felt like a situation where if he was going to do stuff in the first half, it would have to be setting up his teammates because he was getting a lot of extra defensive attention. And in the second half, that waned. I'm not sure why the Spurs went away from that. Maybe Trey was doing the right things. You know, as we've seen over the course of the season, a lot of times he's figured out tricks to avoid the traps. He's rejected a lot of screens and things of that nature. So... It's good to see that, and he, you know, maybe he can get teams out of that coverage. I'm going to have to go back and see the videotape to know exactly for sure. But he definitely had it going in the second half. It was uncanny. Uh, you know, Three-pointers from the corner, putting LaMarcus Aldridge on skates when there was a second defender coming over who also got put on skates, and then he zipped a pass to DeAndre Bembry for a dunk. I mean, that's just incredible. Uh, any national media person who tells you that Trey Young doesn't look for his teammates is absolutely bonkers. In his first game back coming off an ankle injury, he had 13 assists. And, you know, he had 13 assists in a game where he just had to take over the scoring burden because he had it going. It was really just an outstanding game for Trey Young. And if you consider John Collins to be your number two or at least the number two on the roster for the moment, if he's your second most important player and he goes away for 25 games and the thing that you want to see most starting out 25 games without him is for your number one player to do well in his absence and that's absolutely completely what Trey Young did tonight. He's averaging over 30 points a game and 10 assists a game in the four full games that he's played. Not except uh, That's accepting the one game where he stepped on an ankle and had to leave early. But in the games that he's played start to finish, he's averaging over 30 points and he's averaging 10 assists on the dot while shooting 50% from three. I mean, you, he's an offense unto himself. Maybe he cools off at some point. But at the moment, he's, he's just a phenomenon. I mean, he's, he's got it going in every way, passing, driving, shooting. And he's learning all the little veteran tricks that just make the game go a little bit easier over the course of a number of minutes. If you're looking at his workload, he played 30 minutes, uh, 29 minutes and 44 seconds to be exact. He was on a 30-minute cap. You know, normally the Hawks will play him in multiple stretches. You might see him three times and a half. Tonight, it was two times and a half. Uh, After the game, he didn't sound thrilled about the cap. That was the one thing he sounded a little bit disappointed about post-game, but uh, he has to pick his battles. And, you know, he knows that he needs to rest. There were a couple times during the game where he kind of picked around at his ankle a little bit. He said it didn't feel 100% yet, but it felt good and good enough. And obviously it was not a limiting factor in his performance in any way. 
Some other notes for this one. Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter looked good uh, yet again. Uh, DeAndre Hunter was coming off maybe his poorest game in Miami. He was strong yet again. You know, he had one awkward moment where he drove and he just made the wrong decision, I think. He needed to dump, make a little dump down pass and he tried to take it up over LaMarcus Aldridge. Got it blocked, rebounded it, tried to put it right back up and got blocked again. Uh, awkward sequence there, but he is just a stud. Lloyd Pierce praised him after the game. You know, he had another one of those games where he's over plus 10 in terms of plus minus. He collects those with regularity, made six of 13 shots, two of six threes, eight rebounds, which is especially good for him. I think that's the one thing where he could get a little bit better, and he already is. I think the four games off benefited both Hunter and Cam Reddish. Reddish, you know, he was lifted of the burden of cold shooting once he saw a three go down early in the game. I think that helped him a lot, and then he made a couple more. So for him to make all three of his three-point attempts, that's a magnificent game for him. I think the four days off, as I mentioned before, benefited both Hunter and Reddish in the first half when the offense was a little bit more choppy for the Hawks than it was in the second half. There were instances where both Hunter and Reddish made a drive to the hoop, and they did not rush it. In fact, instead of rushing it, uh, what they did instead was, you know, they got in there against some of those drop defenses of the Spurs, and with the big man kind of sitting back, they kind of eased up. They slowed down their drive, eased up like they might go for a shorter shot, and then once the defense was coaxed in a little bit, they turned the Jets back on and went hard to the rim. And to see that change of pace is everything for those two rookies. Lloyd Pierce has said a couple of times, you know, when Cam Reddish is driving, he just needs to take his time and not rush things. And that's a perfect instance of, of both Reddish and Hunter doing that tonight. Kevin Herter was much better on defense, much, 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 much better on defense than he was in the last Miami game. Same thing. I mean, when an NBA team comes off of four days of rest, you kind of expect them to be fresh and a well-oiled machine. Uh, I guess you could go with the opposite cliche and say, well, maybe they'll be a little bit rusty. The Hawks were not that. They looked like they had been uh, practiced in the right areas. Herter was closing out on shots. He, he did foul one three-point shooter, but at the same time, he blocked two shots on drives, and he also had a play in the second half where the Spurs tried to do a deep inbounds. He was the Hawks defender furthest back on the play, and he just tipped away the pass like a free safety and when he went into the backcourt took it went in for a dunk off of two feet you know maybe the one thing that we didn't see from Herter and this is an ongoing thing for over a season now but again when he gets in the paint and has to finish around contact you know he, he gets bumped off his spot a little bit and tonight was no different in that particular department but Pretty much in every other way, this was an excellent game from Kevin Herter. The Hawks continued to use a number of players. They used three different centers over the course of the game. And roughly equal distribution, we'll come back to that in a minute, but they also used 11 players. Uh, we saw Ty Wallace in the first half, but not in the second half. He played a little bit over six minutes. He's an outstanding defender, and he's going to make positive contributions on that end. 
but at this point it's still a little bit of a struggle for him on offense and you know it'll probably continue that way he's not necessarily a great shooter uh, but he can contribute in other areas and certainly the defense goes up a notch when he's in the game but back to the bigs uh, Alex Len Bruno Fernando, Damian Jones. Len played 14 minutes. Bruno played almost 15. Damian Jones played 18 minutes. And that's because this was by far the best performance that Damian Jones has had. If you were watching maybe a little bit casually, it might not have looked like a perfect game from Jones. There were instances where his teammates were trying to get him the ball in the paint and maybe the passes got deflected away and things like that. But defensively, he was a difference maker. He made the Spurs miss a lot of shots at the rim. He was, in, he was influencing shots in the paint. And for that reason, Lloyd Pierce stuck with him over his other bigs, and he probably would have played even more if he hadn't fouled out near the end of the game. Jamila Johnson, who was ATLN 29's first ever guest on episode one, asked Lloyd Pierce after the game, how he approached balancing the minutes among those three big men. Difficult to, um, I guess, kind of balance minutes between your bigs. I mean, you have Alex Lamb and you have Bruno. So you kind of, how do you choose? It's fine right now. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's, I got three guys that are all competing for really two spots, and I'm playing all three, but, you know, don't tell me who to play in the second half. And, and I thought Damian was great tonight. I thought his effort, I thought his energy, uh, he sold the minutes tonight. And that's why he was down there until basically he fouled out and, and we went with Bruno. Um, and, and we'll keep doing that. I'm gonna consistently try and start the guys we start and then we make the adjustments as the game goes on. And I've said it all along, you know, we'll, we'll play who, who we think we need to play to finish games. And uh, we, we did that tonight. And we were able to get a, some minutes from Vince in the fourth quarter. We'll go back with Jabari, and um, you know Dean Hunter was was great, but we we got to get him some time, and we came back with them after taking them out. And so the guys have bought in. It's team basketball, and the bigs are doing the exact same thing, and that's why they're sharing the load like that. One player who we haven't mentioned yet, DeAndre Bembry, he's in a tough spot. The Hawks didn't necessarily have a true backup point guard on the roster to begin with, and now without Evan Turner. You know, it's even thinner at that position. The Hawks struggle without Trey Young because Trey Young is really, really, really good. That was, <laughs> that was Coach Pierce's essentially his opening statement at his post-game press conference. Trey Young is pretty good, uh, so the game's more difficult, not just for DeAndre Bembry, but for all the Hawks when Trey Young sits and when he's in there as the backup point guard, he's typically not going to be playing with Trey Young, and it gets harder for the Hawks' offense to score points. When Trey Young checked out with 4.31 left in the third quarter, it was a struggle for the Hawks to get looks in a half-court offense. Luckily, they got a couple of baskets in transition, and those were really key because it was, it was going to be a struggle for them to score in the half-court. They went from the 4.31 mark of the third quarter until there were nine seconds left, and Jabari Parker hit a little bit of a turnaround without scoring in the half-court set. But those two baskets that they had in transition, you know, those were everything for a team that was struggling to survive on offense without Trey Young. Uh, again, that's a thing that Pierce made exceptional mention of in his post-game press conference, which is that they have to get stops. They need to turn defense into offense, and that's true 
way more over when Trey Young sits than when Trey Young plays. Uh, and to DeAndre Bembry's credit, he was the best defender on the floor in that stretch. And the main reason that the Hawks got those two fast break baskets that they did because he was forcing turnovers from the Spurs. Going back to the Collins suspension for a minute, uh, coming to State Farm Arena tonight, you know, was interested to hear, of course, what Lloyd Pierce was going to say. He was pretty emotional in his opening statement at his pregame press conference, you know, addressing the suspension. I'm not sure if it was the fact that there were a number of TV cameras with much brighter lights than you would typically see at a pregame press conference, but he looked like he was getting pretty emotional in that moment, talking about you know, how he wanted to be there for John Collins, the person, not just John Collins, the player, and he wants to do the right thing by the team. What well, One of the things we've learned is that you know, over the course of the suspension, which is going to be 25 games, or I think it was a span of 46 days, Collins is allowed to practice with the team. He's allowed to do things with the team. The only thing that he's not allowed to do is be in the arena on game days or game nights uh, at a starting point of two hours before tip. So he can do most things with the team. It's going to be interesting just be, you know, from a conditioning standpoint because the Hawks aren't going to be able to have a lot of practices. As we said before, when you have 25 games in 46 days, that's an exceptional stretch. There really aren't going to be a ton of opportunities for him to play at NBA pace. But the Hawks will figure that out. And the fact that he does get to practice with the team and do shoot-arounds with the team, that does indicate that he'll have some chances to do things and he won't be isolated from the team. So that's probably good on the Hawks' behalf that he gets to participate in that way. But one of the other things I was interested to hear tonight, the Hawks are not a veteran-laden team. It's, it's crazy, you know, when something happens to this, to John Collins, who I think is 22 years old, and he's in there in a locker room with a bunch of 21-year-olds, 20-year-olds. It's a very young locker room. There aren't a lot of veterans. And you know, most of the 30-year-olds that they have aren't really core members of the team. So I wanted to hear really what Vince Carter thought. He's been in a lot of different situations in 22 years. That, that happens when you play that long. And I wanted to know, you know what he thought in terms of what were the right next steps once the suspension comes out in terms of, you know, how do you keep John integrated? How do you keep the team together? That sort of thing. You'll hear Chris Kirshner on this clip too because, not surprisingly, I, I wasn't the only one who was interested in what Vince had to say tonight. What was your initial reaction when you saw John's news from this morning? You gotta support him. You know, of course, disappointed in the situation. I understand how he. I think we understand how important he is to our team. Uh, but at this point, it's all about supporting him and, and, and rallying around him. And, you know, we learn from the mistakes. We try to figure it out, and you know, we hold a fort down until he gets back. And I know he's going to be uh, well refreshed and, and, and ready to go, and we're going to welcome him with open arms. Did you get a chance to talk to him? No. What, what do you tell him when you do get the opportunity to talk to him? Tell you, I don't know. Just, just we'll see. When something like that happens, what are the correct next steps for the rest of the team when, when something... Well, like I said, we, have to, we just have to hold the fort down for him and uh, hopefully we get wins. So he, we, we're coming back in, in a good situation where we're, we're playing well. Um, and, and other than that, we just kind of just fill it out. I mean, it's, it's, it's always going to be 
from State Farm Arena tonight. Uh, I'm, I'm not cut out to do two podcasts a day. That's way too much for me. I'm more of a two podcasts a week kind of person. Uh, but I would put in the usual rate, subscribe, oh, subscribe, rate, review. I'm going to get the order right one of these times. Please subscribe, rate, review. I think I made an emotional plea some, in some recent podcast this week and a couple of people did go and rate the podcast, which is greatly, greatly appreciated. Back at it tomorrow night. The Hawks have a stretch of three games in four nights. So after facing San Antonio tonight, they'll get Chicago in the building Wednesday, Sacramento on Friday, before they head out for an extensive Western Conference road trip. Have a good night.